0: an honor for me to be here and I'm assuming because you're here you consider this your church and you consider me your pastor and that it's a high honor for me but it's also it's also a staggering responsibility and uh, many times I, I I don't approach preaching even though I've done it for many years. I've probably done it for for thirty years plus, I never, I never approach preaching um, with a familiarity to it. I, I don't. I don't think that I've arrived, or that it's just something to do. Um, I, I approach every service with with respect and awe and carefulness about God and the things of God. I. It's not it's to me it's the most holy and sacred thing to do is come to church and open up God's holy word and say God what are you saying to us and do you feel that way this morning that's how I feel I feel like it's the word of God it really is it's not like anything else in the world church is sacred and it's holy, and I approach it that way, and I hope you do too. And I, I pray, I pray that you, that you do. I wanna, I wanna preach to you and speak to you on what the Lord's been dealing with me. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't usually preach a long time, uh, but I want to just kind of see how the Lord unpacks this to you personally today, and. I hope that God will speak to you through his word today, and I hope that God will help me to communicate this truth to you. There's a story, you can go there, they'll have it on the, on the screen behind me, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 21, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, um, they they have that here on the screen. How many of you? Uh, how many of you have your Bible, or you have a tablet, or you have a device, or how many of y'all just trust the screen? Like, why, why would you? You're like, Pastor, why would I bring my Bible? You put it on the screen. Well, sometimes the screen will go down. And Ariah said, "This is this is a, a very interesting." Uh, story in the Bible. Uriah said, this is talking about, uh, talking to David, why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. And Uriah said to David, let my Lord take and offer up what seems good to him. In other words, You're the king. Take anything that you want. This is your kingdom. This is your domain. He goes, and Uriah said, Here's the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, everybody say all this. Old king Uriah gives to the king. And he said, just look around the farm. You look at the bulls and the goats. He said... Cart Blanc, it's all yours just say the word and Uriah said to the king may the Lord your God accept you but the king said to Uriah no but I will buy it from you for a price he said I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. And I want to I talk to you a little while this morning on this. Costless Christianity. Costless Christianity. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord just because God is good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you,
1: Lord.
0: Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. I I think I believe that this is not just a church uh, problem, but it's it's an epidemic around America. And so I, I want you to I want you to try to get the essence of what I'm trying to say here today. To some of you. Uh, this will resonate more deeply and to others of you who are fully involved and fully engaged in the church, uh, you, you may need to save this for a later date. But David is a character in the Bible that we all love and admire. The Bible tells us that David is this king. The Bible said in one instance that he was a king after God's own heart. Wouldn't you like to have that description about yourself? That God would love David so much in spite of all of his inconsistencies, in spite of all of his trials and troubles and tribulation, David, this king, is after God's own heart. I know many of you have different characters in the Bible that you love and esteem. Some of you love Joseph because all of the trouble, the cares and the vicissitudes that that Joseph went through from the betrayal of his brothers to the pit, to the prison, to Potiphar's house, Joseph had seen it all and yet still, God raised him up, this dreamer of dreams. Some people love that about Joseph. I, particularly, is one of my favorite Bible uh, characters. And the Bible tells us that story of Joseph that when his brothers finally came to him and he recognized them, his heart was torn into. And Joseph said those famous lines He said, You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Oh, I love that story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of forgiveness. It's a story that illustrates the goodness of God in spite of circumstances and trial. But David, still David, David, this prophet, this priest, And this king, there probably is nobody in the whole Bible, if if you had to mount Rushmore of faith, David would probably be one of those characters that would be carved out on uh, the Judean hillside. There's nobody like King David. The sweet psalmist of Israel, the man who had been at high highs and the man who had Been at low lows. David, who wrote Psalms 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to the multitude of thy tender kindness. God, blot out my transgressions. God, forgive my iniquities. David, that was so quick to turn away from his sin and turn back to God. There's probably nobody in the entire Bible quite like David. The nation of Israel had a lot of other kings, but none could be compared to David. David is tested, he has triumphed, and David also has trouble. It's, inter- it's interesting at this point in the Bible, in 2 Samuel. This point of the story, this is the end of David's life. This is not the young David on the Judean hillside writing Psalms 23, talking about the lion and the bear carrying carrying about his father Jethro's, the sheep. That's not this David. This This is not David and Goliath. This is not the David that picks up the five smooth stones, and runs to the battlefield to, de- to defeat uh, the Goliath. That's not this David. This, di- this David has already arrived. He has arrived at the kingdom. He has arrived at the place that God had promised him. No doubt he remembers what it was like to feel the oil from Jesse's flask that has been poured over his head. This is David anointed. Powerful David. Oh, can I tell somebody there's nothing like being anointed of God? There's nothing like feeling the anointing of God. There's nothing like the supernatural unction that comes when God has put his hand on you, God has put his blessing on you, God has poured out his favor upon your life. I believe today that I'm preaching to some people that have been anointed by God. David is king. David is the anointed king. And he had, had God had told him in 2 Samuel 2 and 1, in the very introduction, the Bible said that David inquired of the Lord. And I think that that is still important today, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think you ought to make decisions without inquiring of the Lord. I don't think you ought to just pick up and move across town or across the states and just take a job without inquiring of the Lord. I want to tell somebody that we need to get back to asking God what God thinks about every situation in our life. Everybody say inquiring of the Lord. I don't think that it's wise to make decisions without inquiring of the Lord. I don't think it's wise to just go into partnerships and allegiances with other people unless you've inquired of the Lord. I think you need to be careful what voices you allow to speak into your life and to direct your paths and your footsteps without inquiring of the Lord. And I want to tell Revival Church on this Sunday morning, don't you listen to everybody that's got an idea. Don't you hook up with everybody that seems to have the touch of God. We need to get
1: back to inquiring of the Lord.
0: I've seen people, I've seen people pick up and move all the way across to another state. There's not even a church there. They'll pick up and move and t- change jobs because of 75 more cent or two more dollars and miss church on Sunday and miss church on Wednesday and miss every opportunity to be connected to a body of Christ or move up to the mountain somewhere and lose their spiritual growth. I'm going to tell you what that tells me. They did not inquire of the Lord. The Bible says that David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up into the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. And David said, I I know you want me to go up, but I need to know exactly where you want me to go. And he said, I want you to go to Hebron. And it was there in Hebron that David was anointed king of Judah. Now think about this. Everything that David had accomplished here in 2 Samuel. He is at the zenith of his strength and power and anointing. He has been anointed. Everybody say, he's anointed. He's had victory over Saul and all of his enemies. He has conquered all of Jerusalem he has brought the ark back they have celebrated that the ark of the covenant was now back with him he has defeated the Philistines and the Moabites and the Edomites he has restored Mephibosheth back to the king's table David has triumphed. Politically, he has triumphed. Militarily, he has triumphed. And spiritually, he has triumphed. It has been clear and evident that God's hand had been on David. How many of you want the hand of the Lord to be on you? All these successes, all these victories, and all these blessings that have been upon David's life, he is still David that is courageous, but he's David that's careless. He's careless. And the Bible tells us, and this is why I, I want to I kind of help you a little bit today. After all of these victories and all the glory,
1: and all the power, there's still a battle that must be fought. You can have high experiences in God and
0: see great revivals and and be in great moves of God, but you can never let your guard down. And the Bible tells us that after all, the, all of this, this is, this is unbelievable to me. After all the success and all the blessing and all the good things that God has done for David, after he's seen him through, the Bible says at the end of 2 Samuel, it tells about all that God was able to do. And the Bible says that David made a terrible mistake. The Bible said that he numbered the people of God. He took a, he took, and I want to be real clear, he took a census, and God got upset about it. God was upset that David had numbered the people of God. This newly elected king started taking credit for everything that God had done. I wanna tell somebody, if you sit here this morning, you
1: sit here by the grace of God. You sit here because of the mercy of God. You sit here because of the goodness of God. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how educated you are. It's not about how great you've been. You cannot take the credit when you need to give God the glory for everything he has done. You don't know where you'd be if it hadn't been for God. And some of the people I need to be preaching to aren't here this morning. You don't know where you'd be. You'd be locked up. You'd be in a ditch. You'd be dead. You'd be in prison. Don't you sit around now and look at all your blessings and think you've arrived. You have not arrived. You have not arrived. This church, as good as it is, you are not all that. And some of you are acting like you're all that. You are not all that. We are not all that. We need the glory of God. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care how long you've been in this church. I don't care if you got a degree, a masters, or a PhD. It it is all because of the goodness of God. Some of you need to clap your hands. Some of you need to stand up and give God glory and stop Taking the credit. Well, I'm just going to put, a, you know what David was saying? I'm just going to put another notch in my belt.
0: I'm going to number them because I want you to look around at how successful we are. And there's a little bit of that spirit that's been creeping through our church the last three or four weeks. Uh, Revival church. You ain't that. You ain't that. You ain't that good, you ain't that smart, you ain't that
1: perfect, you ain't that holy, you ain't that righteous. And I'm going to tell you, if some of you don't get some humility about you, God is going to humble you. God is going to humble. You better be careful. You better walk with humility. You better get your head down and say, it's all you, it's all you, it's all you. I live, I breathe, I move because of you.
0: (sighs) Bible says, you read it in First Chronicles twenty one and one Satan entered into David said, so, well, I'm a child of God. I'm gonna tell you, you could be influenced by the devil. Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number them. What do you say? I'm saying this church needs to get it together. And I don't get to preach to some of you on Wednesday night. I'm telling you on Sunday morning, and a lot of them ain't even here, but if they're watching it, they need to
1: get it together. They need to stop being entitled they need to stop walking around like they've done it all and seen it all and been all, you better stop that. That's not gonna fly around here. That's not gonna work around here. You better understand the only reason you woke up this morning is because God put oxygen in your lungs and let you come alive to come to the house of the Lord. That's the only reason. You are here, and you better give God the glory. This church has been sitting back, taking the credit when you should be giving glory. Look at me. Look at my stuff. Look at my blessing. You know what I've been praying? God, if they don't have humility and if they don't support your work, take every blessing from them. Because when your blessing becomes a curse, you don't need it in your life no more. And some of you have been so blessed. And I preached it. The only reason you're thinking like this, I preached blessing. I preached that God was going to bless you and God did bless you and you took a selfie and said, look at me. Look what I did. Look at how smart I am. Look at how educated I am. Look what my hand, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't your hands that blessed you. It was the goodness and the mercy. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It was God all alone.
0: And I, I feel a little bit of complacency in this church. I feel a little bit of an arrival mentality. We've arrived. You arrived, all right but it's not where you think you arrived. You need to check yourself.
1: God is sending me and tell it, you know how I preach on Sunday morning. You know that I, I preach faith, miracles, signs, but God has sent me to tell you that you need to get your priorities in alignment. You need to get your priorities in order, and you need to stop talking about yourself all the time. This is not about you. This is about God and his kingdom and this city. It's all about him.
0: I'm going to tell you the problem with so many blessings is it makes you lazy. When you didn't have nothing, you were hungry. When you didn't drive the nice car, you were hungry. When you didn't know where your next meal was gonna come from, you prayed then. But now, because you got a little, you're a little bit comfortable and you got some blessing and you you got a little money in the checking account, you forgot
1: what it was like when you didn't have nothing and you were homeless. I've been there, I've lived under park benches, I've couched, I'm gonna tell you what, I hadn't forgot about it. I hadn't forgot that if it had not been for the goodness of Jesus, if it had not been for his mercy, oh, where would I be? And I can't get people to come to church one Sunday. Listen to me, I don't have a bad spirit and I know we got guests here. I would not call myself a Christian if I came one Sunday out of four. You're a liar. It's not true. Oh, I'm a a part of Revival Church. No, you're not. You're a part of your church. And that might be on the soccer field or the baseball field or at the park. I'm gonna tell you, when you didn't have money, you didn't take two. And I believe in vacations, but when you didn't have any money, you didn't take a vacation every other week. Listen, take a vacation, do it, get rest. Relax. I want you to do all that. But I'm going to tell you some of you are gone all the time. You don't come to prayer meeting. You don't fast. You don't join a life group. You barely come on Sunday morning and the Lord is grieved about it. Everything. Somebody shout everything. we have have is solely solely dependent dependent on the goodness goodness and the mercy mercy of our God.
0: God. (laughs) I'm tired of people that complain but they don't contribute. They complain. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like this. This is too loud. That's too many cameras. I don't like that color. I don't care what you like. And I'm old enough not to care. I'm not being cavalier and I'm not, I'm not being cocky. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just telling you. There's a lot at stake here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of people in this city that's at stake, and we need to learn every good thing comes from the Father above, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God is responsible for every blessing, every success, every outcome, every reward. You and I only have them because of the goodness of God.
1: Yes, we work hard, but God provided the resort. The horses make ready, but victory comes from the Lord. Our posture should be first chronicles 29 and 12 Both riches and honor come from you You rule over all and in your hand are power and might Your hand is to make great and give strength unto all And what is my response We thank you our God and praise your glorious name It's the only right Response to the goodness of God.
0: But that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about David and his repentance and his redemption. The Bible says that after he had numbered the people of God, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 24 and 10, that the Lord's judgment came against David and David's heart struck him and he said, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. I have, I've, I've acted foolishly. And the Lord said, okay, I want you to pick your consequences. You decide, David. You want, what do you, want? do you want? Do you want a famine to come into the land? You want, you want to pick the famine? Or do you want to pick being invaded, being on the run from your enemy, seven years of famine, three months of running from your enemy, or a three-day plague? And David said, oh, God,
1: you are gracious and you are merciful. Let me fall into the hands of a good and gracious God. And just like that, 70,000 people died.
0: And David builds an altar to the Lord prophet the priest came to David in 2 Samuel 24 and the Bible says that he came to David and said David the answer to what you're
1: doing is build an altar raise up an altar It, it amazes me the people that have been in the church for years and years and years never come to the altar anymore
0: I'm not talking about new people I'm not talking about guests. I'm talking about people have been in the church 10 and 20 years. They never come down front to this altar. I've heard churches that don't even have an altar call anymore. They don't even. God said, David, what you need to do is you need to build an altar. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you need an altar. Pastor needs an altar in his life. I want to live close to the altar, whether the message was for me or not for me
1: or somebody that's down the road a little way. I want to make sure that I get down to the altar and I let that word wash over me and cleanse me and sanctify me and make me new. We must have an altar in our lives.
0: That threshing floor of Arina had a rich history and a rich future because that was the place that Mount Moriah was on. That was the place that Abraham offered Isaac. And that was also the place that Jesus died on the cross. And I'm, I'm coming to what I want to say to you. Arina said, here, it's free.
1: doesn't cost anything the pasture. Look, there's bulls out there. There's lambs. You're a king. In this redemptive act of time, this is the last chapter of David. It's over after this. Look out there, king. Take whatever you want.
0: It's free. David says the words of this text that have been in my spirit. I can't offer God something that didn't cost me nothing. And I think about what's going on in our church and other churches. People want something
1: for nothing. I want the blessing, but I don't want no burden. I want the passion of revival church, but I don't want
0: to pay the price for it.
1: What we need is
0: to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that Christianity, it has cost attached to it. Oh, that's, that's not a popular message. No, but it's true. Do you want the American gospel or do you want the biblical gospel?
1: Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Oh, I want an American gospel. That's easy. There's no Calvary. There's no price. There's no commitment. There's no sacrifice. That's an American gospel, but that is not the biblical gospel. There is price and sacrifice and commitment that it takes to be a Christian.
0: Raise your hands all over this place right now. Come on, raise your hands. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help this church, God. Help me to help this church. I want y'all to listen to me. Praise cost something. Praise cost. Worship it cost. Sitting on the chairs you're sitting on they cost. Coming to this building every week it cost. Staff it cost. Making sure the lights are turned on it cost. Having 20 baptized, thank you, Michael, for reaching all the people that you're reaching, but it costs you. It costs you. I know that it costs. You paid a price
1: for it. Oh, I, I, I want it. I want it for nothing. I want the target gospel. Expect more, but pay less. I'm going to tell you, that's not going to keep us going into the next decade. We need everybody to get on board and pay the price that it takes. I will not offer God something that does not cost me something.
0: I will not. In David's final redemptive act, after all of this, he says, I can't because it wouldn't be my sacrifice. It'd be your sacrifice. And some of us have been living off the sacrifices of the dead, brother Powell. We've been living off the sacrifices of that church that's in the grave right now. Some of you don't even know their names. You don't even know their names. You think just because it looks easy, I told somebody this week, it may have been Brother Powell,
1: just because all this looks easy doesn't mean that it is easy. And you may not have seen the sacrifice and the work and the fasting and the prayer and the commitment and the dedication and showing up when you don't feel like it and working and praying when you don't feel like it. It costs something.
0: And if you're gonna live for God with all your heart, I'm not gonna smile at you and tell you it's gonna be a bed of roses. That's a lie. I'm not gonna tell you that everything's gonna be all right. It will in this. It will in this life or the next one. I'm not gonna tell you. It's a lie. To tell you there won't be hard days and dark days and unspeakable days that you don't even know how to utter a prayer you don't know how to pray all that can come out of your lips is groaning and
1: uttering because you don't even know how you're gonna make it another day but I'm, I didn't get in this thing to quit I didn't get here to think it was gonna be easy take this whole world but give me Jesus take up your cross Follow him. There is no such thing as a costless Christianity.
0: I want you to raise your hands right now, all over this building. I ask you how long are you gonna let somebody else pay your way how long are you gonna let somebody else pay your way and some of us that are here and some that are not here you're letting somebody else pay your way and you're living off the price of somebody else's commitment and somebody else's sacrifice. And I'm praying today, I know this is a strong word, but I'm praying today that the spirit of David and the spirit of what I preach will rise up in you and that you'll go all in and that you won't expect something for nothing or to let somebody else do it. No, no, you say, well, he's preaching to somebody down the pew from me. No, 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 I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to, listen, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what your pedigree is, I don't care how much money you got or you don't, that doesn't influence one thing that I'm, I don't care if you're rich
1: or you're poor as Job's, I don't even care. What I do care is that you go all in. You go all in. You go all in. You go all in. We we cannot do it just existing without everybody going all in.
0: I want you to stand all over this building right now. Raise your hands to the Lord. Raise your hands to the Lord. Moms and dads, elders, young people people that can tithe, people that can give sacrificially, people that know better, people that know, you know better, you know, you know I'm not.
1: David said, no, no, I'm king, but I can't give God something that doesn't cost me something.
0: You ought to raise your hands. You ought to lift your voice. I would run to this altar. I would run and fall in this altar. I would come down. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. everything. My strength, my health.
1: It's yours. It's yours. My life is yours. I'm, it's not my life. It's not my talent. It's not my ability. It's not my voice. It's not my energy. It's not my house. It's not my car. It's yours. It's yours. And it, it cost something. This cost us something. It cost me my health. It cost me my strength. It cost me my energy. It cost me Mother's Day and Father's Day. It cost me everything. Put it in this church. Put it in this church. Put it in this church. Put it in in the first generation. Put it in the second generation. Put it in the third generation. It costs to be here. It costs to be a Christian. It costs, it costs, it costs.
0: God, deliver us. God deliver us God deliver us from costless Christianity God deliver me God deliver revival church from costless Christianity oh come on what do I gotta do I can't offer
1: God something that don't cost. I'm tired, I'm weary, but I'm praising. I'm giving you my best. I'm struggling, but I'm here. I can't give you something that doesn't cost me something.